0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. It is good to see you here today. If you are just joining us, uh, we're in the middle of a summer series where we're walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians. It is uh, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he planted, and due to some circumstances beyond his control, he had to leave quickly. or some persecution occurring, and, and so for the sake of the Christians, he left kind of in the middle of the night. Now, he writes this letter back to them uh, to kind of check on them, to see how they're doing, and also to continue helping them discover what it means to follow Jesus. So you can go back to Acts 17 at some point and read the story of the the church in Thessalonica being started. And and what you find is where we came up with the the title for this series, Um, when the, the the opponents to the gospel are kind of presenting their case to the city leaders. They say, these men who have stirred up trouble all over the world have now come here, and they're sharing the message of another king, one called Jesus. And so uh, when Paul writes the letter to the Thessalonians, he doesn't call Jesus another king, but he is very much teaching them. When you come to follow Jesus, you are adopting an entirely new way of life that changes every aspect, every experience, every relationship, and every, every even religious activity that you engage in. Right, so this morning we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, and talk about uh, how Paul teaches us a model of inside-out prayer that when Jesus is our King, it changes the, the way that we pray. So think of it this way. Now today, uh, Pastor Cameron mentioned a minute ago, we're, we're leaving for Kids Camp this afternoon. That's why, I mean, if you know me, you know I'm looking for any excuse to wear a t-shirt on a Sunday morning, so Kids Camp was a great one. Um, this afternoon, we're gonna take off with 73 first through sixth graders and uh, take them down to Camp Egan and just have a great week of camp. Now, moms and dads, uh, who are sending kids to camp? I'm sure many of you have already been praying for them, right? And if you're like me, uh, some of those prayers that you're praying kind of default to um, what could you know, most generously be described as like helicopter parent prayers, right? You know what a helicopter parent is? That parent that just hovers around their child all the time, trying to protect them, trying to preserve them, trying to keep them safe, trying to keep them comfortable. And so if, if you have that kind of inclination, no judgment. I mean, I'm, I'm going to camp, which is partly I feel like I should and partly I can watch my kids, right? So um, if, if you have those inclinations, though, your prayers will reflect it. And so for some of us, if we have those, those tendencies, then our prayers for camp have went something like, dear God, help my kid to have a great week at camp, help the sun to shine, but not be too hot, right? (laughs) help the bugs to not bite them, help the pool to be warm, but not too warm, help their bed to be soft, help the counselor to be nice, help the other kids to be kind, help the food to be good, help them not to get sick, help them not to get scrapes or scratches or bloody noses, or which just for the record, like I've got a group of third and fourth grade boys in my cabin. If you're praying they don't get scrapes and scratches and bruises, just stop. Like if a little boy comes back from a week of camp without scrapes and scratches and bruises, it means camp was awful, right? Like, Boys are supposed to do that, and honestly, I feel the same for my daughter too. So uh, you can just leave that prayer behind because I am actively praying against it, and I'm the pastor, so it doesn't actually make a difference, but we're going to pretend that it does here. So, okay, but, but we pray these prayers, and what we, what we discover is we're largely praying God control all the external circumstances that could possibly affect my kids week at camp and help them to be great. Because what we do when we pray that way is we're revealing the way we view prayer and the way we view our relationship with God, the way we view ourselves. And what we view in most of these circumstances, and and think about the way you pray for your own life, and it'll, it'll start to reveal itself as well. We primarily pray that God will take care of everything out there in hopes that when everything out there is good, then everything in here will finally be settled. If God would just straighten up everybody and everyone and everything, then my heart could be at peace, my heart could be at ease, and life could be good. Now we know it doesn't work that way. There's there's nothing wrong with praying those things. Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, which we just prayed, to pray for our physical needs, to pray for all of these things. But the gospel primarily works from the inside out. Jesus comes and his kingdom is always first established in us before it's established through us. But our our prayers, we often get that backwards, and we're praying, God, bring your kingdom out here so that then maybe it can come in here as well. So what I want us to look at this morning is um, a prayer that Paul prays. It's It's very, very brief. It's actually kind of a transition point in the letter. So in the first part of the letter, he's been telling the Thessalonians, this is who Jesus is, this is who God is, Um, this is how it changes your life, this is what it means to be in his kingdom. And then starting next week, we're going to look at the the passage, uh, the parts of the letter where Paul is basically saying, if all that is true, this then is how you should live. This is how it plays out on the ground in your life. But right now today, we see this, this short little prayer that he's praying. And I think it will teach us about the power of praying from the inside out. And that as we pray for God to change us and to change each, uh, each other in here, it's going to filter out then into the world. So if you have a Bible, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen for you. Paul praised, "May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father." When our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now the first thing Paul prays there is, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. So he's praying for increasing love. There's a couple things I want to point out want us to consider there. First of all, it starts with, May the Lord make... Right? So when Paul is saying, I'm praying that God will increase the amount of love in your heart, he's not saying, I'm, pray- I'm praying that you will be more disciplined and more loving and more kind and more patient. What he's saying is, may the Lord make you a loving person. Which points us towards this idea that the love Paul is praying we will experience is a supernatural love. Right? It's something beyond our ability. We can't manufacture it. It's This is the gospel in a nutshell, that sin comes and destroys and distorts and shrinks our hearts and our ability to love each other as God intended. And so if we're praying for God to increase our love, it begins with the recognition, I cannot do this on my own. Right now, there are times where I think we try to excuse our lack of love for others and we just say, well, that's just my personality, right? I'm just, I'm a, I'm a loner, I'm an introvert. Uh, but if we're honest and we start to dig a little deeper, most of the time we'll see our lack of love for others is rooted either in something we've done or something that's been done to us. And what I want you to understand this morning is any time you struggle to receive God's love, Anytime you struggle to love other people, if that's a result of a past hurt, of some form of abuse or trauma, some sin, some guilt, some shame, whatever it is, it's all a result of sin, right? It's the result of sin's distortion of our life, of our world, and our relationship. And so when we begin to pray, may the Lord make our love increase and overflow, what we're really saying is, God, we need you to come and do this. We need you to do what only you can do. And the good news of the gospel is he does that, right? Paul tells us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He moves towards us in our inability to love. God extends his love and begins to transform our hearts. That means for us is when we find ourselves in seasons where we are having a difficult time loving others, the solution is not to try harder, but it's to surrender more to the love of God at work in us. Right When when you have those seasons where your heart has grown cold towards your husband or wife, it's not that you necessarily need to work harder, but maybe you need to begin with a prayer of, God, make your love grow in me. Make your love alive in me, and then let it increase and overflow out of that. When you have that, that neighbor, that coworker, that boss that you just can't stand, stop settling for just god give me patience with them and start praying god give me make create in me the ability to love them surrender your life to the work of the holy spirit and in galatians 5 paul talks about the fruit of the spirit right and and it's love joy peace patience kindness you know all of these things but the interesting thing there in galatians 5 is he presents these to us as the supernatural work of the holy spirit What that means is that when the spirit lives inside of us, he gives us the power of God to love others in ways that we could never love them ourselves. It's not that he just increases you by 10% to make you love a little bit more. It's that he plants deep in you when you have exhausted your ability to love, he comes and makes love grow in you. And he does that through your experience of God's love. And then Paul prays, may it increase and overflow. Pointing us towards this idea that we are never going to reach the point of saturation of God's love in this world. We're never going to reach the, the, the summit of the mountain of just, I've experienced all there is. I have plumbed the depths of God's love and come out the other side. Right, That's not it at all. God's love is always increasing to us, which means it should always be increasing through us. Right, And, and Paul is praying to look not only increasing in you, but overflowing out of you. Now, I don't know what picture comes to mind. I mean, I think of just, just somebody who's just sugary, sweet, and kind, and helpful, and loving. And maybe that's what it looks like. Maybe it looks different based off your personality. But the prayer is clear. That The prayer is, God, let it increase and let it overflow. And then Paul says, let it do that for each other. Now, remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And so when he says, I'm praying that God will make his love increase and overflow in you for each other, what he means is, first, I'm praying he will make your love increase for those in the community of faith, for those in the church. So in our context, here's what it's saying. I'm praying your love will increase and overflow for the people you worship with at Christian Chapel. And and all through Thessalonians, he's been using this family language, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, to, to push us past this idea that it's just me and Jesus and that's all that matters, but to help us understand we are brought in together. God restores us here with him, and he restores us here with each other. And so increasing and overflowing love that displays itself in our care for one another where we are building these deep and abiding relationships, where friends become like family, where strangers are welcomed in, where the hungry are fed, the sick are cared for, and the grieving are comforted. This is what increasing and overflowing love looks like. Then he says, not only for each other, but for everyone else. Pushing them past the idea of Jesus came to save you, he came to restore you, he came to connect you with your brothers and sisters in Christ, but he also came to share that good news with everyone, everywhere. this, This aspect of God's love is what had propelled Paul to come to Thessalonica in the first place to push out of his comfort zone, out of his culture, to reach across the Jew-Gentile division, to reach across the god fears and the pagans division, and just say, no, everyone everywhere deserves to hear this good news. And so for us as followers of Jesus, what we're praying is, God, as you increase my experience of your love, and you increase my capacity to love others, you increase my ties with those who found the same relationship I have, don't let me stop there. But let me push past and continue to reach out to those who are far from you. Because here's the thing. The love of God does not care where you were born, what language you speak, or what religion you practice. Right? The extension of Christ to all of us is a universal invitation to come and to follow him. And so for us, especially as American Christians, it is vital that we continually reject all of the dividing walls that culture places on us. That we push back against nationalism and racism and any kind of economic dividers and religious dividers. That we reject any language that says these people deserve it and those people don't. Because what the scriptures teach us is we are all the sons and the daughters of God made in his image, corrupted by sin, and called back to him and to each other in Jesus Christ. This is why we continue to support missionaries who are working all over the world. This is why we make such tremendous efforts to be part of what God is doing to share the gospel with people who've never heard about Jesus because as God's love increases and overflows out of us, it changes the way we see, we see those who are different from us. And, and so what that means for us just very practically today is that if in your heart there are people that you think, no, they don't, they don't deserve it. That's not a sign that something's wrong with them. It's a sign that something's wrong with you. And your prayer this morning has to be, God, make your love increase and overflow out of me. God, help me to lay down all of these divisions, all of this hatred, all of this prejudice. Help me to reject it entirely. May your love increase and overflow for my brothers and sisters in Christ and for everyone else that all may hear the good news I've experienced. After Paul prays this, he then prays, may you strengthen their hearts. All right, it's a prayer not just that the Thessalonians will uh, have more self-discipline or, or be more convinced of, of what they know, but really it's a prayer that the Holy Spirit will go to work in the lives of the Thessalonians. Paul's greatest fear, it seems, as you read through Thessalonians, was that somehow either his persecutions and trials or the persecutions they were experiencing was going to separate them from their faith. That they were going to abandon their faith because life had just got too hard. And so Paul is praying, may God strengthen your heart, right? This is a, a beautiful prayer for us to pray. God, strengthen my heart. God, do your work deep inside of me. And, and parents, I want you to think especially about praying this way for your children. Again, like we talked about, even, even with kids camp, the, the tendency is to pray for circumstances. But what, what happens what, in real life, what happens? You figure out pretty quickly you can't control all the circumstances of your child's life. Right? Like, this kid's mean to him. And you might have a mama bear moment where you go over and you kick that kid and put him in your place. But you figure out pretty quick, I can't do that my whole life. Like, eventually I'm going to get arrested. Uh, or my kids are going to pretend like they don't know me. Uh, you, you just can't do it. And, and we want to protect our kids. And, and maybe early on, you're that parent calling every teacher of like, Johnny got a D. I think it's your fault. She's like, nope, Johnny's dumb. That's why. You know, but we've just got these, these moments of just like, if I could just protect everything out here. But Paul is teaching us a vital lesson, and, and, and it's true for all of us, but parents especially I feel like it's important for us to consider this this morning. We need to pray for our children's hearts far more than we pray for their circumstances if you will pray that the gospel will take root, that the Spirit of God will dwell in your children, that will sustain them through all of life's difficulties. There are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be moments you can't be with them. There are going to be moments you're separated by space, where you're separated by relationship. There are going to be times when other people hurt them. I mean, we don't, we don't like it, but we all know, if you've lived long enough, you know, there's going to be those nights your kids go to bed and the hurt is so deep they can't go to sleep. And in that moment, what are you going to pray? God, help their boss to not be mean to them tomorrow. Or are we going to pray, God, strengthen their heart. Help them to find their significance, their meaning, their peace, their comfort in you. Help them to rest in the assurance that they are your son and your daughter. Help them to know that your kingdom is coming, your will is being accomplished. Strengthen their heart. Paul understands this in a way that you and I need to grasp. That when we're removed from the situation, the Spirit of God remains. And so we're praying, God, strengthen their heart. And we're praying that prayer for ourselves as well. Now, that's a a scary prayer to pray at times, right? Because for me to actually experience the strength of God in my heart means that I have been pushed beyond my natural strength. It means that my emotional strength is exhausted. My mental capacity has been exceeded. My physical strength has been revealed to be lacking. My relational strength has been shown that it's not enough. And in these moments where really it's, it's not pleasant, we feel lost, we feel anger, we feel doubt, we feel depression, we feel all of these really horrible things. But it's in those moments that we experience the strength of Christ in our hearts. Paul is not writing to the Thessalonians from some ivory tower, but he's writing from his own personal experience. He's the same man that Jesus comes and tells him, my power is made perfect in your weakness. God is not scared of your mess, but he's at work in it and he is strengthening your heart. And so instead of spending all your time praying, God, fix them out there. Start praying, God, strengthen my heart strengthen it by the truth of the gospel, by my experience of Jesus, by the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit, through the encouragement and strength of my brothers and sisters, strengthen my heart. And God will do it. His grace is up to the task. But that that internal strengthening is not just so that we can kind of buckle down and survive on our own. But Paul tells us, may God strengthen your heart so that you may be blameless and holy. Right, to, to be blameless is this idea that uh, there is nothing at all in our lives that would prevent us from standing before God. To be holy is this idea that we are in, we're, we're, our lives are absolutely in line with God's revealed standards. It's really a pretty high and lofty statement. Right, may God strengthen your heart so you may be blameless and holy. And then we'll talk about it in a minute. But Paul says, so you'll be blameless and holy on the day that Christ returns. Right, so he's got this big picture in mind of one day Jesus is going to come back. You're going to stand before him to receive God's judgment. And on that day, you can be blameless and holy. Right, he's, we hear it a lot of times like a weight that's being placed on us. But Paul presents it to us as an impossible dream that has come true. You will be found blameless and holy because of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. If you've surrendered your life to him as a king, then one day you will stand there in absolute perfection. God doesn't look at you and see your weakness. He sees the strength of Christ. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the forgiveness of Christ. He doesn't see your filth. He sees the righteousness of Christ. This is the, the picture that's being presented to us. But, but the, 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 the way that plays out for us right now is if that's where we're going one day, that's how we can live on this day. The the holiness that Paul calls to comes from a heart that has been made strong by the Spirit of God. And it's not necessarily a holiness that is defined by what you wear, what you watch, what you listen to, or what you eat. But it's a holiness that is defined by the love of God increasing and overflowing in you and out of you. It's a holiness that is defined by your willingness to align your life with the kingdom of God for the, the accomplishment of His will. It's a holiness that has far more to do with what's going on in your heart and how that flows out into your world than it does your observance of certain religious rules and rituals. And what Paul tells us is, look, you're going to be found that way one day. So as God strengthens your heart, just let's go ahead and live that way today. Right? Holiness then does not become a stick that Christians use to beat each other over the head, but it becomes an admonition that we encourage each other with. Of This is how you were created. This is what you were made for. Let's live this way together. Then he says, may God strengthen your hearts. May you be found blameless and holy. And then he finishes with this idea of we need to keep praying all the way to the end. He says, until the Lord Jesus returns. And and one of the things that that Paul emphasizes in almost every one of his letters, and we'll look at it in a couple weeks, and 1 Thessalonians, uh, he talks a lot about the way Christians should deal with death and our hope of resurrection, all these types of things. So we'll we'll look at that. I hope you'll be here for it. But uh, for today, what I want us to consider is when we pray, we always pray with the end in mind, right? Like the mountains might be really big right now, but one day they're all going to be made level. There might be a lot of opposition right now, but one day it will be perfectly and finally defeated. There might be chaos and turmoil in creation right now, and one day it will be restored in perfect harmony and in new heavens and a new earth. We might be unable to give and receive love as God intends, but one day he will restore and renew all things and completely remove not only the stain of our past sin, but even the possibility of future sin. Paul always points us towards the return of Christ because he wants us to understand Jesus Christ is not just a religious leader or a teacher that you model your life after. He is a risen savior who will return for his church, who will return to restore and renew and recreate all things as God intended before sin ever intervened. And so when we pray and we're praying, God, make your love increase. God, strengthen my heart. God, help me to be blameless and holy. We're doing it with the end in mind, remembering that, hey, if he's going to do it there, then he might as well start doing it here. And if I'm going to live that way with him there, then I might as well start living that way now. And if the power of his spirit will achieve that, then the power of his spirit can achieve this. And so what it does when we pray this way is it reminds us to live our lives in ways that are congruent with the kingdom that's to come. Right, of hey, if this is how it's going to be defined, if we're going to have perfect relationships, if there's going to be no more sin, no more sorrow, then when I see sin and sorrow here, I'm going to enter into that and be part of God's kingdom coming. If one day we're going to dwell together in perfect harmony, then right here, when, I, when I'm having a rough time with a friend, I'm not just going to accept it and drop that relationship, but I'm going to enter into it and say, no, this is not what God has intended. We're going to seek reconciliation. Right, this is the, if the kingdom is coming then we want to live in lives that that are going to be congruent with that life we'll have one day. So so for me, when I'm married, I want to love my wife in ways today that will be congruent with how Jesus is going to recreate me after his return. I want to give my kids priorities and and an emphasis on life that constantly points their eyes ahead to something bigger than them. All all of our lives, we typically spend just looking down at our own feet, right? Right? We are, we're running from here to there. We're following the checklist. We're trying to graduate high school, finish college, uh, save for retirement, put the kids through college, then start saving for retirement again. We're doing all these kinds of things, right? We're here. We're there. We're everywhere. And when we pray, a lot of times our, our prayers are just right there. They're right in here. God, help me to get this done. Help me to get that done. Help me to make this appointment. Work that relationship. And when we pray until you come, it lifts our eyes up. And it recenters our soul and helps us to see that all of the mundane, all of the busyness, all of the, the chaos at times can find significance and meaning when we begin to live in ways that are congruent with the coming of Christ. It's this really beautiful picture that Paul paints for us. It's, it's, it's amazing how this simple little prayer has the ability to change our hearts. Now here's the thing though, with with this prayer in in Thessalonians, it's not like the Lord's prayer where Jesus, the disciples come and they say, teach us to pray. And Jesus tells them, okay, pray this way, right? The Lord's prayer is a, a prescribed prayer for us to pray. It's one that we pray together. That's why we do it on Sundays. Jesus said, do it. So we thought that was a good idea and we're doing it right now. This prayer in Thessalonians is not that it's, it's more of a model prayer. It's more of understanding, Hey, this is, this is a way Paul prayed for the church And so as we see it, we begin to embrace it. So it's not that you necessarily, uh, you know, go home and write this one out and memorize it, but maybe it is that you use it more for a model. And every day you're praying for yourself and you're praying for others. God, make your love increase and overflow. That we begin to pray from the inside out, right? We're praying God, strengthen our hearts. And as we pray, strengthen our hearts, it reminds us his grace is up to the task. His power is enough. We're praying, God, make us blameless and holy. Not just me, but you and everyone everywhere. And as as we pray that, we're being reminded of holiness isn't something God tells us to do. It's something he gives to us. This is the gift of Christ. You can be. You are blameless and holy. So now live in it. Walk in it. And When we pray to the end, we're lifting our eyes up to get the 30,000 foot view of what God is doing in our world and what God is doing in history and it helps us to calm down. Helps us to not become hysterical over whatever the latest headline is or or whatever the latest crisis is but to remember there is a king who reigns above all. There's a king who's returning and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and so we're just gonna go ahead and start doing that now. We know where our hope is resides. We know in whom our life is found. And so we surrender to that. So I don't know where where you are this morning, but I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you. And if you'd like someone to join with you about God's love increasing and overflowing in your life, if you need to experience the the strengthening of your heart because of the situations you find yourself in, maybe the idea of being blameless and holy is, is just too much for you to imagine. If you need others to pray those prayers with you in a moment we'll sing a final song you can head out the back doors and to your left we have some of our pastors and volunteers will be waiting to join with you the rest of us are we're going to sing a final song in just a moment to remind our hearts of these things but i want to pray for you first so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes lord we we come to you today as people who who need to experience your love God, you see those of us for whom loving others is difficult, if not impossible. And we ask today, Lord, that your spirit would come and change our hearts by the power of your love in us, that it would increase and overflow. We ask that you would heal past hurts, that you would remove shame and guilt, that forgiven sin would no longer have any power over us pray for those who are facing very difficult circumstances this morning may you strengthen their hearts may the power of your spirit come and work in them as only you can may you convince them of your goodness and your grace may they know that your love runs deeper and your power is greater may they surrender to you and let your spirit go to work in their lives lord help us to live in our identity as the blameless and holy children of God. Help us to receive this gift you have given to us and to live in it each day. Lord, we surrender to you. We ask that your kingdom would come to us in these moments, that you would give us the big picture view of what you're doing. Help us, Lord, to honor you in every moment, with every thought, in every prayer. Pray that as we ask you to work in us, the internal will become external and we will shine like a light in the darkness to people who need you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like someone to pray with you, you can head out those back doors and to the left. The uh, band is going to lead us in a song we did earlier that that just reminds us of the power uh, of God to achieve what he's promised.